folks, happy Monday morning and welcome to The Drop Zone. I'm Dylan DeChair here with co-host Sean Zock and today we're joined by James Colgan. Uh, if you weren't watching the Sanderson Farms, maybe you did spend the last week watching some action from Mesquite, Nevada and James was on the scene so he's going to share some action from the World Long Drive Championships. Uh, so we will get to that. First though, a little word from our sponsors this week, Arnold Palmer Spiked. There is no better way to enjoy a life well played than with Arnold Palmer Spiked. It's the classic taste of iced tea and lemonade you already know and love with 5% ABV. Made with real juice and brewed teas for a smooth flavor that's as easygoing as the icon, Arnold Palmer, that made it famous. And uh, Sean, I actually had a, had a couple Arnold Palmer Spikes last night watching... What? Watching my man Tom Brady come back to Foxborough. Wow, what a thrilling, thrilling night for you. I'd like the folks to know that you could find Arnold Palmer Spiked in a store near you or at arnoldpalmerspiked.com slash drop zone. It's a little code for the for the gang out there. Or search for it on Drizzly and Instacart. That's arnoldpalmerspiked.com slash drop zone. 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee, malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. Fellas, how are we doing this morning? You nailed the ad read, Dylan. I'm just thrilled that you can break from our intro and say a little word from our sponsor. Isn't mm. that great that the Drop Zone is sponsored? If you do like the Drop Zone, I'm guessing you already do like Arnold Palmer Spiked Lemonade. We're now past <laughs> the ad read, yes. but just go buy some. It's, t- it's delicious. James? Welcome to the show. I think uh, on on the word of our of our sponsors here, as as Golf Com's uh, resident recent college graduate, I'd like to say that uh, that the spiked arnies are, are a big move. It's it's a <laughs> it's a strong play. So I, I would highly recommend for uh, for anyone out there, especially if you're looking to channel your uh, your inner college student, uh, it's a 24 year old approved. I can tell you that. James is basically our like food and drink test dummy at golf.com. And <laughs> last week he was also our like world long drive test dummy. We haven't sent someone to the long drive championship in a long time, but Bryson DeChambeau was there. So yeah, I think you got to send somebody out there. James, first off, it was out in Mesquite, Nevada. What is, what is that city? Like, what is that area? Like, is it a town? Is it a village? I don't know anything about Mesquite. Well, Mesquite, uh, as far as the internet is concerned, and as far as they are concerned, is a city. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure that anyone who has been to a city in their lives would consider Mesquite, Nevada to be a city. Uh, it's population 18,000 people. Uh, and there are no skyscrapers. There are no uh, buildings taller than maybe three floors. Um, when I walked in to the Holiday Inn that I was staying at, which was one of only three hotels in the entire city, and the other two are casinos. Um, I was going to say, we must have some casinos taller than three floors, do we not? It's uh, The casinos are, are spread pretty wide, not very mm, tall. Um, more of a footprint situation, I got it. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're certainly owning the footprint, um, but... Yeah, there's definitely slim pickings as far as the uh, as far as the the housing was concerned. But when I got into my Holiday Inn, I uh, asked the the 
uh, lady working at the front desk, I said, you know, this is my first time in Mesquite. I've only <laughs> ever actually been to Nevada once. You know, I need to know, like, what do I need to see when I'm here? Uh, you know, what are the things? What, where should I eat? What should I check out? And she looked at me, paused for about five seconds and said, you know, it's really boring here. I don't really think there's anything that you do need to see. <laughs> so I, I think that'll, that's, a, that's a pretty fair explainer for, uh, for what the city of Mesquite is actually like. It's quiet. It's a desert town. And it's about 70 miles into the middle of nowhere. Um, and yeah, it is truly like the only thing off the side of the highway for 100 miles between Vegas and St. George, Utah. So, where, was, uh, where was Bryson staying? Uh, you know, I was trying to figure that out. I was, I was hoping he was staying in the, in the old, uh, Casablanca casino, but, uh, from what I heard, uh, the area actually has, has a pretty big rental population. Um, there's mm. ton, you know, ton of golf courses there. It's a big, I guess it's a retirement community for a lot of people. Um, and so I, I believe he had rented a house out there and he was staying, uh, after I got one look at the bathroom in my holiday Inn, I was trying to angle my way into the guest suite there at, at, at uh, Casa de Bryson, but that was not precisely meant to be. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can uh, you can buy some fireworks when you get to Mesquite too, if I <laughs> recall correctly. You get across that state line, sit into some slots. Anyway, all right, James, so you get to the first day of your long drive coverage. What is the crowd like? Who Who are the personnel who are the participants? Like, what is your feeling walking into this situation? Well, I think you expect that it's going to be maybe a little bit of a testosterone-fueled environment. Um, I think you expect to see, uh, you know, sort of maybe the Harlem Globetrotters of the golf world um, was sort of what I was going in with the expectation of people who were there as showmen, maybe not necessarily as athletes. Um, and my first 15 minutes or so on the range did little to dispel that notion. Um, there were a, a group of, of long drive pros who were uh, sta- standing in front of me right at the front entrance to the range. Um, and they were probably the only 20 people on site at this entire sports wow. complex. Mm. And uh, I spotted these guys uh, and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll sit down and see what they have to say. Uh, one of them was wearing a hat that said nutted on it. Um, and then the guy, the guy next to him was, was wearing a hat that, uh, that, or rather wearing an overall ensemble that included those full reflecting wraparound shades. Um, yeah. and so there, there was certainly, there was an environment of showmanship there, um, as they, the, I started talking to them and, and like, lo and behold, the maybe the fifth word out of their mouths was, or fifth phrase out of their mouths was uh, chick stick, the long ball. So I kind of, I went into it expecting that that was going to be the case. And that was my first. Did you even go James? I feel like you could have, you know, this just sounds like a caricature of what you would have expected if you didn't go. See, but that was what things started out as. But that that was also the early morning of the first flight. And so what I realized was that was actually the sort of the veterans of the long drive who, who had gotten out in the opening group. Uh, but the after a while, so, yeah, exactly. The guys who were there when, when Golf Channel was really invested in the sport and and, and who, uh, you know, were invested in maybe bringing some 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 clout 
on the television screen and some personality. Um, but then the longer that I stayed, there were more and more guys who I guess you would consider as, as sort of the current uh, generation of long drive players. And when they rolled up, it looked as if it were a normal PGA Tour week. There were staff bags. There were guys dressed with their sponsorships on their on their shirts and on you know on their bags and on everything that they owned. Um, the sponsors were maybe not quite as luxurious as you would see on the PGA Tour. But if you were to maybe sub out that crank golf in favor of, you know, a, a different, maybe a slightly bigger name club company. I don't think that anyone would have looked particularly out of place. Um, and that was kind of surprising. I, I noticed a lot of guys were like really, really taking to their work. They were paying really close attention to their, to their uh, launch monitor numbers and to, to the things that they were, uh, that they, that they were doing with the club. They were looking at the club face to make sure that everything was sort of lined up on their driver. So yeah, it was it was a much more business like environment after that early wave of of, uh, of the vets kind of rolled through. Really quickly, I need to know when guys bring their staff bags, is there one club in the bag, or like maybe two clubs? Like, why, I don't understand why you would bring anything more than a driver to a long drive competition. So I spent the week trying to figure this out because everyone would start by warming up as you know you would for a golf tournament. You know you hit you hit your wedges and then you work your way up to what? your mid irons and you then you work your way to the long irons. <laughs> and I couldn't understand like what is the purpose of hitting any club other than a driver in an event in which you only have to hit a driver. Um, as best I could tell, that was actually an injury prevention thing. Guys felt that it helped them get their bodies a little bit warm as opposed to just trying to swing, you know, at super high speeds, hang the ball super far before you have the opportunity to, you know, kind of get your muscles ready for that. Um, but yeah, everyone brings a full set of clubs. Um, some Even people the putter? are walking in with... No, I... Uh, so see, so like some people are walking in with their Sunday like carry backs, like people who you Good. would see in a muni on Monday afternoon. So those guys had putters. The guys who were bringing their own staff bags with them had about four drivers, I would say, um, and then maybe just a set of irons and a set of wedges. No putters with them. Beautiful. All right. So then Bryson rolls in. What happens when the big ticket arrives? Well, it was pretty clear the energy changed. Um, it was funny. A lot of the guys that were in that early grouping, the the old guard, um, they all wanted to stick around to see Bryson. And they'd actually hung out with him at dinner the previous night. Um, mm -hmm. And they were kind of razzing him. They were giving him a hard time. <laughs> they were saying, you know, you're a rookie around here. You don't have any respect, you know, whatever. And Bryson sort of looked back at them and was like, didn't I just win the Ryder Cup, like, literally last night? And they're like, that doesn't matter here, bro. Like, it doesn't matter. You're, what you're a on the sick show now. burn by Bryson. <laughs> yeah, classically <laughs> sick burn. Um, yeah, I mean, because I could see this going either way, right? I could see people being resentful of Bryson. He's going to come in and steal all the attention, which is exactly what happened. Or, you know, I could see people being excited. Hey, this guy truly actually is bringing outside eyeballs to the sport, uh, which definitely also happened. Like, did you pick up an, on any resentment there, James, or was there generally appreciation, at least out loud? Uh, if there was resentment, it was probably toward me more than it was toward Bryson. Um, I think people felt as though, you know, the media who had rolled up were only there to cover Bryson and didn't necessarily care about the sport. 
And in their defense, that wasn't entirely <laughs> incorrect for, for most of the people that were there. Um, but it seemed pretty clear, like once you started talking to Bryson and especially just once you saw how he was on the range, um, that it was not going to be a story about just Bryson. That, that was just not the story of the week. And that was particularly not the story that he wanted uh, to be told because he was very, very clear that he wanted, you know, the spotlight of the week and the focus of the week to be on the pros who were there. And I think among the overwhelming majority of people that I spoke to, there was an element of gratitude towards Bryson for showing up because, I mean, it's it's hard to argue. He, he walks in and Golf Channel shows up at a long drive event for the first time in two years after dropping after dropping the sport. He walks in and Golf Magazine, Golf.com, reporter James Colgan is in on the grounds for the first time. Yeah. So, you know, th- those things are very hard to quantify when you're a sport that is really, really struggling to to make the the financial ends meet that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to do if, if you're going to survive. Yeah. So give people just, you know, a 20 second recap of, of where a long drive is right now, because they existed, they were on golf channel, etc. Then they basically what disbanded and now they're back. How'd that happen? So golf channel, uh, had an ownership stake in what was called the world long drive tour, um, which was the same exact sport that exists now, um, but at the beginning of the pandemic, they were kind of in some some dire straits financially, and so they they dropped their coverage of the World Long Drive Tour, um, and essentially they stopped their financial support, which kind of ripped the rug out from underneath them. Um, there's a little bit of an element of resentment towards towards Golf Channel for that, but the good thing about the sport is that you know Golf Channel didn't own anything proprietary about how the sport existed, and so what happened was a group of long drive competitors led by this guy Bobby Peterson, who is now the sort of de facto commissioner of the sport, um, and he's a member of the senior division of competitors, which is kind of funny, um, but he he owns this power one-stop power shop in North Carolina. And last year after Golf Channel dropped them, you know, he said, I have the means to to do a long drive competition at my place in North Carolina. Why don't we do a competition here? And then he got to talking with some other guys. And as they talked more and more, they realized, oh, someone can do an event in Mesquite. Someone can do an event in California. Someone can do an event in Florida. And so they kind of banded together to form this like what, what he described as a grassroots uh, professional long drive league. And that's called the mm-hmm. Professional Long Drivers Association. Um, and that's where they are today. They're really running on a shoestring budget. I asked Bobby, you know, how do you guys make money from this? Like, how is this profitable? Because I couldn't understand it walking around. And he kind of paused and laughed for a second. And they looked at me and he said, honestly, that's a really good question. I have no idea. <laughs> And I thought I think that was a very accurate way of describing kind of where things are. They're they're still trying to figure out how to make this work. Um, but the good thing is, a lot of what the sport has currently is self sustaining. Guys pay entry fees themselves, which then go towards sort of uh, keeping the events produced. They also pay a membership fee that kind of covers all the overhead costs for the league itself. So uh, it's being supported by the players and the players are also the beneficiaries of it. There's no money that's going to Bobby or any of the guys who are organizing the tournaments. 
that is not going directly back to the players. So it, it is sort of a virtuous cycle within the sport currently. But the problem is, you know, it's still a shoestring budget. They're still trying to figure out any way to make money off of this. And that is, you know, a problem that exists even after this week of nonstop coverage from Bryson. Now they have a, I guess, a case study of what it's like to have the megastar Bryson DeChambeau show up to have too many people logging onto YouTube and watching mm-hmm. Bryson compete. So many people that, you know, they don't even know if they can have this many people streaming this single stream at one point uh, on site. Uh, what you've been you've been around Bryson though seeing him try to hit the long ball before what what, what felt different besides the obvious here uh, the main thing that felt different about Bryson was that he actually seemed like joyously happy to be there um i think something that is is kind of hard to hard to shed when you're around Bryson at tour events is that he's so intense and he's so serious that he he's almost standoffish towards the people around him. And I don't think he's intending to be that way, but it certainly comes across that way as he's, you know, working on the range until 11 o'clock at night and kind of has a frustrated or angry look on his face. Um, at the long drive, he was not that guy. Um, he was, he was laughing with his buddies on the range. He was chatting with them. He was, you know, walking around, talking trash. All the guys that were around were, were, you know, were, were excited to be interacting with him. But more than that, he was excited to be interacting with them. Um, it seemed like he was kind of searching there, like searching for some level of, uh, of affirmation from them. Like, you know, they were his cool friends and he wanted to prove to them that he was actually cool too. Um, and I was shocked to see that. I think as soon as he wound up on site, the question was about what his launch monitor numbers would be. Um, he had s- sort of, I guess, spoken through the grapevine and had said to some guys that he had gotten up to 215 ball speed, which was a number mm-hmm. that he had been gunning after for a really long time. Uh, the best guys in the sport are kind of called in what's called like the 220 club. And they're guys who can hit you know higher than 220 ball speed when they swing. But Bryson being at 215, uh, had the benefit of being a PGA Tour player, which meant he hit the ball a little bit straighter than most of the guys in the field. And so I think when he wound up on site and he was saying he was swinging at 215 and the other guys in the field kind of knew he was going to hit the ball a little bit straighter than everyone else, I think there was a mm-hmm. feeling that he was going to legitimately compete um, until he gets to 220. If he ever gets to 220, he'll never be able to win the event. It's just not possible to to stick with a guy who's swinging almost 10 miles an hour faster than you. But when you have the benefit of swinging into the wind where guys, you know, are, are struggling to maybe hit the ball on what's called the grid, you know, to keep it within bounds, um, that all plays into the hands of a PGA Tour player who can hit the ball a little bit straighter. And so I think once he wound up on site, and he actually was swinging at the speeds that he said he was swinging at, I think a lot of guys realized like he's actually going to contend here. He's not going to win, but he's going to stick around for a little bit longer than, you know, just one round. Yeah. I mean, so for people that don't really know every mile per hour ball speed accounts for, you know, three ish extra yards of carry. So that's obviously a giant deal. That's not the entire deal, but that's a large part of this competition is just, 
can you swing it faster? Can you get that ball contact so that it's coming off hotter? And and these guys like Kyle Berkshire, who really just jams that extra syllable right in the middle of his last name, uh, which I appreciate. He's pushing 230 ball speed where, you know, you consider that the guys on tour that swing the fastest, maybe they're pushing, you know, mid 190s. Cameron Champ can can get to 200 if he really goes after it, but basically never does. Bryson basically never still gets to 200 while he's actually playing in tour competition. Um James, how many guys were there that were clearly faster than Bryson? Who's like, how many people are in this 220 club? I would say the number is probably, without having seen the launch monitor numbers, the number is probably around uh, eight to 10 guys um, who can swing at, at 220. Um, the problem is that some of those guys don't swing quite as accurately <laughs> as Bryson does. Yeah. Um, but even still, that number is is increasingly slim, uh, especially as you get closer and closer to 220. Uh, there are a lot of guys that were there this week at the World Long Drive Championships who said, you know, I'll, I'll never even sniff that. I could work for the next mm. five years. I, I would never hit 220. So that is that is a bit of a benchmark for the sport. Yeah, and I guess we should also note for the – long drive experts that are actually listening and critiquing this was not an a full field there's people that are you know stuck in europe based on travel restrictions or you know otherwise occupied that the announcers were very keen on uh shouting out their people i mean it's such a it's a small world it's a little fraternity clearly the experience of watching on youtube james which you did not really have because you were there in person was pretty hilarious there would be you know (laughs) sort of a rotating cast of a couple um they would they're competitors it was guys that were either in the in the open division or in the senior division i think more often Um, at one point there was one guy that looked like he could bench press a car that was you know sitting down next to another one of like just a normal sized dude maybe he could have that was uh that was in the they were both in the senior competition so yeah i mean you kind of do have everyone's large for the most part, but you do have people of different shapes and sizes, but you could tell how shocked they were to have, you know, first it was 5,000 people streaming on YouTube live, and then it was 10,000. And as Bryson made it through the rounds by the final day, there were 45,000 people. I saw at one point tuning in live to this thing. Um, Was there a sense on site of like, wow, wow, it's happening. People are paying attention. Like there's some, there's some buzz. People get a pep in their step. There absolutely was. Um, it was a bit, uh, I was actually a perfect, perfect comparison given, uh, given last night, it was a bit like Tom Brady returning to, uh, returning to Foxborough. You know, it's been a barren year for the Pats since then. Um, but, but when Brady comes back, the energy comes back into the, uh, into the building. Um, I think you could say the same for, uh, I think you could say the same for Bryson being back, but more than just Bryson being there, it was the sort of just overall, uh, energy around the sport. The fact that there was media there, the fact that people wanted to see and and hear what was going on. Um, there was definitely a palpable buzz around the, uh, around the spot. At one point, uh, (laughs) the name of the Wi-Fi network that the live stream was operating off of was called Trackman. 
And so people that were competing were connecting to that, thinking they were connecting to their own track man. <laughs> and uh, the public address announcer had to come over the top of the uh, the top, you know, the the uh, speakers that they had there. You had to ask, like, please do not connect to this Wi-Fi network. This stream is hanging on by a thread. There are twenty thousand people <laughs> watching right now. We need these people. We need we need to be able to capitalize on this. So I thought it was interesting, kind of hearing that and seeing that because I think it kind of helped to illuminate that, yeah, th this was real for these guys. And they also realized that like this doesn't happen all the time. People don't just show up and then have, you know, a ton of interest in the sport. And so the fact that Bryson was there was a pretty significant moment to actually try to take advantage of him in whatever way that they were kind of capable of. Is, uh, I want to know, like if Kyle Berkshire is the LeBron James of long drive, or Steph Curry or Kevin, like what is, who is Bryson? Well, Kyle Berkshire is the Jerry West of long drive because his name is, <laughs> he is literally silhouetted in the long drivers association uh, logo. But I would say, Oh, that's a good question. I think, I think maybe you could compare Bryson to like a Shaq figure um, in that he comes, he comes into the sport um, and maybe he's not the most talented player, but he's this like sort of freak of nature that you see and you witness and you and you just have to see more of. You just have to understand. And even though, you know, he, no one's going to call him Michael Jordan. No one's going to say he's the greatest guy ever to suit up. Like when he shows up, everybody knows and everybody wants to see what's going on. So, yeah, I think maybe Shaq is a good comparison for that. I think maybe it's like when LeBron enters the, the dunk competition. Because it's like, damn, we know this guy can do it all, but now can he come beat us at our own game too? So how did he how did he make it through the the rounds, and where did he eventually flame out? So he advanced uh, through the first round pretty handedly. Uh, from eighty to sixty four was the first day. Um, he had his longest drive. Uh, of the week on day one, actually, he hit 216 ball speed and his drive went 412 yards, um, mm. which was pretty insane. Bryson was literally screaming on in the, you know, the middle of the of the grid right after he hit that, because I guess he knew he got it. Um, and that was definitely that was a downwind day. And he scored really well. He was in the very top of his of his heat of 16 players. Then on day two, he advanced again. Uh, day two, the, the wind shifted back. So it was hurting. And that actually played to his advantage even more. He finished, I think, second or third overall that day. Um, advanced again to the round of 32. Round of 32, the wind was again in his face. Um, and he advanced into the round of 16. Then in the round of 16, advanced to the round of eight, which is where he was eliminated. Um, that, was, but, that was a surprising turn, right? That he made it actually all the way to the round of eight? Uh, shockingly, not that surprising to the people uh, around the long drive mm -hmm. world. When I, I spoke to Kyle Berkshire after the round of 64, and he said, yeah, no, he's going to finish top eight. Like, that's that's going to happen. He's sw hmm. He's just swinging too well. And that was, you know, he was not the only person to say that to me. There were a handful of people who all said that 
based on his numbers, based on, on how he was swinging the club, that he, w- he was going to finish in the top eight. But there was, I guess, some question about how much further than that he could get. And the ultimate answer was that top eight was, was where he was going to top out. Is he done? Like Unreal. Uh, people will probably want to know, when's Bryson doing this again? I think he's going to be back. I Honestly, I, I can't imagine that, that he wouldn't. Um, he truly, truly loves his sport. It seems like he's found a community that he does not have on the PGA Tour and the people that, that compete alongside him. Um, so I would be shocked if he if he wasn't back in an event next year or a few years down the line. Um, I think it's something that's very clear is that even if he's not at an event, he's going to be a very vocal advocate for this sport. Um, he really sees it as as a huge benefit to the world of golf that long drive exists, and he wants it to be a, a success in in the sport is that he, he wants to see long drive become an element of golf uh, in a way that it has not been to this point. So Bryson is, is de- definitely going to be back in some manner, shape or form. Um, I, I don't know when that's going to be or how frequently that'll be, but there's just simply no way that he, that the version that, that we saw this week is n- not going to be uh, competing against. Will him. you be back though? That's the real question. Will James Colgan, <laughs> be ready to go cover another long drive championship. Well, I will say, uh, as far as far flung corners of the universe are concerned, Mesquite, Nevada certainly uh, checks a lot of those boxes. Um, I had a blast. It was such a such an awesome event to cover. Um, I think something that being in media that that you see a lot on the PGA Tour is that you know yeah you can do a lot and you can have you can have access but there's a limit to when those things run out you know there there are people who are not going to want to talk to you there's time that you're just not going to be able to get um that simply does not exist in the world of long drive people are (laughs) willing to say whatever whatever to you whenever to you they are willing to talk to you five minutes before their round they're willing to talk to you in the middle of their round it, there is no no bumpers, no guards as to as to what you can do, um, and that was really fun and a really interesting way to cover an event. It was very refreshing, I think, both for Bryson and for me to to get to be in an environment where, uh, you know, you could kind of run free and and make what was there your own. Uh, so hopefully I'll be back uh, because I think that means good things for the sport, and that probably also means good things for Bryson. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, you know, I'm a big, big niche sports guy. I love the Olympics. You know, I'll dive in fully into the curling competition, speed skating, you name it. But then, you know, once we've gone through that, I'm kind of, I'm I'm good for a little while. Like I'm set after, you know, a little bit of time in that orbit and, and kind of parachuting in. And that was the case with me. I'm, I'm. I'm curious to see if I personally am interested in tuning in the next time there's long drive competition. And I think that that may reflect, you know, the way a lot of other people are feeling. Um, James, I'm curious though, last thing from me on this subject, are there any, any legends, any people that you discovered while you were out there that the world should know? There are, there are a lot of people (laughs) that the world should know about. Um, I think one guy who one guy who really really caught my eye, uh, Bobby Bradley. He's one of the one of the true wily vets of the world of long drive. Um, his 
uh, he's been around for 15 years in the sport. Um, he says he he's basically doing it for fun now. Uh, he is like I would say the pledge master of the world of uh, of long drive. Um, he's friends with everyone. He knows everyone. He uh, is always willing to share a joke. Um, and yeah, I think he I think he captures a lot of what the core of the sport is, which is at this intersection of fun and also uh, sort of interesting and, and maybe a little bit more strategic than people realize. Um, and I think he did a very good job of doing that, uh, in addition to the fact that uh, he certainly was running his mouth more than just about anyone that I saw while we were there. Love it. Hell yeah, Bobby Bradley. I liked Martin Borgmeier. He was definitely yeah. Definitely Martin is favorites. Martin is a cyborg of a human being. He's I I frankly was scared to say his name because he could actually snap me in half at a moment's notice if he wanted to, um, and it would be no problem for him. So so yeah. So Martin's a great guy, um, but certainly not the person you want to see uh, maybe in a dark alleyway after the hours of uh, of of daylight because he's a scary he's a scary looking guy all right that's 30 minutes of a long drive you, competition James. discussion i think that's probably that's probably so 30 good. more than we were planning on when the year began but we are officially in the weird time of year the fall series the silly season uh october is not even as weird as November, which is probably not even as weird as December. So uh, Sam Burns, Dylan, wins the Sanderson Farms. I'm not surprised at all. Like Sam Burns is now a multi-tour winner and nothing about him winning a tour event is surprising, which is quite the ascension from where he was just 12 months ago. Yeah, I mean, I think we can be honest about the entire setup here. Like coming off the Ryder Cup, going to the Sanderson Farms, heading to Mississippi on the PGA Tour, I don't like, I don't have it in me, you know, like I don't have the capacity and I'm not saying this is like a a too cool for the fall series thing. I'm just saying it's okay if you're out there and you are a golf fan and you're like, man, I'm supposed to get up for this again. It's sort of like the Olympics thing I was just mentioning, but it's like, if then you were asked to watch, you know, your favorite gymnastics competition the week after the Olympics, there's a little bit of a come down there. So I think it's okay for that to exist and then for it also to be nice on Sunday afternoon when you're like, yeah, maybe you've got a second screen set up. You've got NFL on TV one. You're like, yeah, let me see what the, let me see what the fellas are up to at Jackson country club. Um, and you do get a chance to turn it on and see some of the rising stars of the world. Uh, Sahith Thigala, whose name I'm yeah, still working the on. The H in his nailing, first name is pretty silent it's like it's sigh yeah i think it, i think sigh yeah carry on yeah yeah no i think you're right about that we're and we're gonna spend a lot of time speaking his name because my dude can play uh so he looked like he was in pretty good command for a while cameron young got in the mix there another guy who we're gonna hear plenty of guys coming off the corn ferry tour but then yeah sam burns is establishing himself now, or I guess now has established himself as a dude that has some serious firepower. I mean, if if the season were a couple weeks longer, he might have been on this Ryder Cup team. Um, he's now inside, what, the world top 20? 18th so in the world. Number 18 
and he, I think, was leading more rounds this year on the PGA Tour last season than than just about anyone else. He played a lot of good 54-hole um, tournaments. Yeah, shout-out to Sam Burns. He seemed psyched, um, and this, I don't know, it, this feels like it's just another another notch in the belt for Sam Burns. So, um, yeah, I don't know. James, how much, how much did you watch from the Sanderson Farms this weekend? Well, I can say that uh, from my perch in Washington, D.C. this weekend, which is where I, I went back uh, out with some buddies as soon as, as, uh, as the long drive competition had, com- had concluded, uh, I was All right, James an didn't watch the new Sanderson Farms. No, hey, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I was in an Airbnb. We had connection to NBC Sports, so I, I tuned in for a little bit. Um, I would say my biggest takeaway is that uh, I think we should do some sort of like alternate field version of the Ryder Cup where like an alternate field group of stars are like competing against uh, the full field group of stars on the PGA Tour. And I feel like Sam Burns mm. would be the absolute anchor of the alternate field squad in that sense, because this wow. guy just absolutely dominates every time he plays like you know anything less than like an absolutely loaded field and even when he plays a loaded field he's usually in contention so yeah he's a uh he's a very very interesting figure i found myself wondering how the u.s team might have looked a little bit different if he had been part of it because he certainly didn't look out of place yesterday yeah i mean you're right he's he's scout team quarterback no doubt about it this is this guy could be getting the call up soon but I think he was probably next man up. I know Patrick Reed is uh, was in the mix there, and you know how had health confusion, etc. But Sam Burns, Sean, is he on our Presidents Cup team next year? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, he has to feel a little bit like the forgotten man with some stuff, and he came out and won. Mm. And Billy Horschel came out and won on the European Tour. Uh, it's it's become a media cliche to look beyond the 12 players on Team USA and be like, holy cow, think about who, who war- wasn't on this team. Will Zalatoris, mm. Webb Simpson, you know, Kevin Na and Patrick Reed and Billy Horschel. I mean, that's a, a pretty stout American team on their own. They could have maybe beat Team Europe. Yeah, I think that's experience. fair to do. Um, I think it's important to do. I mean, I think you talk about James's version. If you put out a B squad of Americans against the European team. I don't know. Dylan, do you remember my take that I trotted out just about every single week? We we have too many good Americans. Remember the fact that we yeah. have to debate who are the captain's picks? What was your team Europe's biggest dilemma? Oh, do we go with Poulter or Rose? And that was it. It wasn't like, oh, there's another mm-hmm. guy we should be thinking about. There were there is no Kevin Kisner you know, in the European ranks right now that people really want on that team because he's fared well in match play. Uh, It is both an asset and a tricky thing for Team USA to get past. Um, But other than that, I didn't didn't watch any of the Sanderson Farms. So I'll do respect to an event. But the come down from the Ryder Cup is too real. Looking at the World Golf Rankings, I have a question for you, though. I love love talking about this version of Roy McIlroy. He is endlessly entertaining uh, and intriguing he's ranked 15th in the world just an ounce yeah. just an ounce ahead of 16 daniel berger tyrell hatton is on his tail wow are we comfortable with the fact that rory mcelroy who probably won't play golf the rest of the year 
might not be a top 20 golfer in the yeah. middle of January. He, he definitely won't be, right? He's going to be slipping. I don't know. His his divisor will probably help him out a little bit. But basically, if he doesn't like start the next season solid, he could drop out of the top 20. And I just don't think like mentally that's a, a good place for him uh, or for us in appreciating him. Accurate. No, I don't feel comfortable with that at all. I don't feel comfortable with Sam Burns probably passing Rory McIlroy in, in a few weeks. Um, no, I mean, given the attention we pay to him, given how much we analyze what he says, how he plays, uh, it's it's just not a good thing. <laughs> That's pretty depressing. Uh, uh, elsewhere on the LPJ Tour, Celine Boutier wins the shop, right? She's, I would say she's one of my favorite, like, very, very underrated LPGA Tour player. She shoots 63 on Sunday in the final round. The truth is she won when two people missed very, very makeable birdie putts. In B Park, probably the best putter in LPGA Tour history, missed an eight-footer for birdie to send it to a playoff. And then Jin Young Ko missed a seven-footer that would have sent it to a playoff. Some three-round tournaments, I think, Sean are an interesting idea as a way to to mix up the action. But yeah, we ended up with Boudier shooting 63 on Sunday to yeah win by one over like an absolute star-studded field. You had Brooke Henderson who shot 64, was one behind. And then Inby Park, who, as we found out on uh, in some discussions on Twitter this week, is a truly, truly elite putter, you know, no matter what, game you're looking at and she made par on the uh the final hole missing a short birdie putt uh as well as Jin Young Ko who's arguably the greatest female golfer in the world and then Maria Fossey shout out Maria Fossey finished fifth very very encouraging to uh start off the the new year for someone that's been really up and down in terms of actual stroke play competition so good week good week in the jurors my final question James hasn't spoken in 10 minutes. You can you can answer first. What's the weirdest golf month of the year? Is it October, November, or December? Weirdest golf month is November, only because of the Hero World Challenge, which somehow seems to be a huge event every year. That's bizarre. That makes no sense. <laughs> Love that take. I'm going to turn this on James and say December because that's when the Hero World Challenge is. Isn't it? No, and don't tell me that. Is it? I thought it was usually <laughs> no. November, right around Thanksgiving. It is the basically the weekend after Thanksgiving, almost. Yeah, it, sometimes it definitely starts in late November and then runs into the first week of December. Well, look, I've always said Tuesday of Hero World Challenge Week is is really one of the big weeks of the year. So you know, one of the big days of the year. So I'll, I'll stand by that take. I think it. I actually think that it's November. Be I think that's correct because you get you know. You've got Thanksgiving and like one week off kind of breaking up this strange schedule. Uh, the folks head down to Mayakoba. Yeah, it's it's really hard to exactly keep track. December, they've pretty much given up on. you got the shark shootout, which is, I don't know. Sean, what's the answer here? I think it's November. The answer is November. December, you get Tiger's uh, birthday. You always get some kind of cool, wacky content around Tiger's birthday. James, if you ever go to the Bahamas for the Hero World Challenge. You'll actually really appreciate how close you can get to the best players in the world. That's a lot of fun. November is odd because 
look, the LPGA Tour Tour Championship actually is in November. So there is some really kind of important golf going on in the professional golf world. But yet the men are doing the the World Cup of golf, which is this two man like country versus country event that theoretically should be a lot of fun. But it should be cool. It doesn't get like any of the fanfare that, you know, it should really Mm. probably get. Maybe we're to blame for that. Um, The answer is November. And so, you know, we got another full month of great drop zones before then. So I think the confusing thing, though, is like last year, well, we had the U.S. Women's Open in December. We had the Masters. All kinds of majors stacked up throughout the fall. We had the Fall Masters. We had Wingfoot in September. You know, there were oodles and oodles of great golf what do we do now that's why i asked this question now we're back to taking december pretty much off there's no that's why december's not even that weird is because there's not even really an attempt we just seed to the other sports which i think is a, a smart play some of the players are kind of burnt out they're tired sam burns not burnt out danny willett not burnt out shout out to nick watney dude missed 18 cuts in a row last year finished t2 this week Big time for him. An inspiration for you and for all other pros who believe in their future. I think the answer, though, is we we better save up some content because we're going to have to get a little creative, get a little weird over the coming months. Uh, maybe we'll even have Jimmy Colgan back on. I'd love nothing more. All right, folks. Before we do go, I just want to remind the listeners about the classic taste of iced tea and lemonade that you already know and love that's arnold palmer spiked five percent abv made with real juice and brewed teas for a smooth flavor that's as easy going as arnold palmer himself guys i'm gonna i think i'm gonna re-up my order finished off the supply i had yesterday uh watching tom take down mr belichick uh, you can find Arnold Palmer in a store near you. You can find it at arnoldpalmerspike.com slash drop zone if you want to support our podcast. Or you can search for it on Drizzly and Instacart. That's arnoldpalmerspike.com slash drop zone. 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee. Malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. Folks, thanks for listening responsibly, and we will see you next week.